Greetings, greetings, greetings. Best and brightest, I am Jay Severin. This is Invasion of the Giant Pole Pundit, episode 63, Anatomy of a Pole, Excelsior. of the Giant Pod Pundit with Jay Severin. At 7-11 last, that is to say, Tuesday night, I was just sitting here minding the world's business, as is my humble want of an evening, and up pops CNN, the just-released, they claim, results of the latest NBC Wall Street Journal poll on the Democrat nomination. Two things that rendered that significant. Firstly, it is a poll, the pedigree of which is generally accepted as first rate, by other media, of course. But that, of course, matters because they therefore treat this poll seriously. And that nobody, starting with the candidate and extending to the voters, dismisses it. Secondly, pertaining to the pedigree of this poll, is that sometimes judgments of quality derive from circumstance. If I were willing to bend to a cruder example, I would probably use a storied example of who's beautiful at a bar 10 minutes before closing time. But I, I won't. I shan't. Plus, lips that touch liquor shall never touch mine. Judgments of quality derive from circumstance. In a momentary campaign lull that has we political junkies jonesing for some action, here comes a quote-unquote respected poll. It's within a few days of the last debate, and it's the only game in town. So that made this poll look absolutely gorgeous, baby. Absolutely gorgeous. I think time... And so I waded in. Well, more like just dipped a finger in the water because unfortunately I was for the first time seeing the existence and initial results, very initial results of this poll on a network other than the one that gave birth to it. So they don't play up a lot that you'd like to know. So the the, the coverage was understandably thin, just the top line numbers, as we say in the business. Uh, I, I transcribed them at once and hit the Twitter button to rejoin you, where I had been with you uh, earlier in the evening than 7.11 p.m. last night. Latest Democrat campaign poll, NBC Wall Street Journal, September 13 to 16, margin of error, a.k.a. Mo, plus or minus four and a half points. There is no methodology, data, that is to say sample size, demographics, available at this time, I inform you. And I complain because, uh, you know, I have to assume it's a national poll of Democrats of some sort. And that, of course, I was further complaining that we didn't, complaining that we didn't know if these were Americans who claimed to be Democrats and claimed to vote or registered Democrats who claimed to vote or 
registered high-propensity voting registered Democrats, a.k.a. prime Democrats, which really tell us the story because only they will actually be voting. And that gets you down to about you know, 20% of the population. Costs money to weed out all those other people. That's why real good polls, like the kind done by Doug Schoen or Mark Penn, the geniuses of the industry, I was lucky enough to grow up with, if you will, in the business, uh, are enormously expensive and ought to be. They could do one poll and map an entire campaign virtually. And that's why the cheap ones are the cheap ones, because as my father used to say, cheap is cheap after all. We know that this matters greatly because we always get wildly differing results depending on with whom the pollsters are speaking. So without any further cholesterol on my part, I proceed to the top line numbers as I tweeted to you last night at 7.11 p.m. Biden, 31. Warren, 25. Nota bene. Given this margin of error, given this mo, Warren is for the first time within the margin of error of Biden. And given her recent surge, she could very easily be tied or even leading. Sanders, 14. Again, Biden, 31. Warren, 25. Sanders, 14. For comic relief, I included the remaining numbers. Mayor Pete, 7. Kamala Harris, 5. Yang, 4. Klobuchar, 2. Booker, 2. Conspicuous only by their absence. Castro and young Prince Beto, which I noted, uh, and uh, soon thereafter we learned that Beto and Castro were not merely missing in political action, they were pretty much politically DOA, both included in the poll, both reporting in with 0% support. I took the liberty of adding what I regarded as the good news for Beto, which is that at least now he knows the only place he can go from here is home. 17 minutes later, 7.28 p.m., I followed with Twitter notation that this was the very first major survey in which Elizabeth Warren's surge that we have had predicted and discussed weeks ago actually was real. And because she's been surging, she may well be even ahead. Nextly, I offered my opinion that this was a very serious drop for Sanders, down to 14, and that if it were reported, he's on the... I mean, if, if, this, if this is repeated in other polls, if Sanders is uh, down that far compared to whoever's number two, then um, he, is, he is on the verge of being relegated to uh, being a third-place candidate in a two-way race. Uh, another way of saying that would be it could be his last weekend at Bernie's. Oh. And finally, that for Judge Harris, and the others, numbers like these are virtual a virtual death knell. Except, of course, except, of course, when you're talking about serious consideration as a CNN panelist or a Democrat vice president. Joe Biden intruded on our consideration of the poll uh, in a story by yelling from the stage somewhere uh, that his plan would, and I quote, put 720 million more American women back to work. 
a most impressive number, 720 million, as it exceeds the total population of the United States by just a tick over 400 million. Woe is Joe? Well, let's see. Next update on Twitter includes further numbers, namely that since Thursday's debate, there has been significant movement among the leading horses, asses. Biden up three since Thursday night. But Elizabeth Warren twice that at six, wiping out any Biden momentum. And the poor red ranting Bernie. See red, see what I did there? Poor Bernie, red or otherwise, dropped a full five points since Thursday. It now appears, I said, 9.20 p.m. last evening, the two-way race you and I expected and predicted, with Bernie teetering on the edge of collapse, is here. Mainstream media interrupted our poll quest briefly to report gushingly that Elizabeth Warren continues to draw far greater crowds, uh, far greater in size and enthusiasm than the other, yes, dwarfs. Warren claimed, by the way, a crowd of 20,000. In this case, I know intimately well, not to be the skunk at the garden party, Elizabeth, but I know very well that uh, mostly student-populated park in New York City and why the students are there, but its maximum capacity, according to the New York uh, Police Department, is less than half the 20,000 you claim. But hey, who's counting? Certainly not the news media, who, as we've discussed, have been increasingly infatuated with the faux squaw from the fearsome Harvard tribe. The media has been in her sales for several weeks now, and Warren has, in fact, been surging. Uh, we have discussed this on the strength of her Trojan horse strategy, but now it is virtually certain that she has surged substantially, taking votes from both Bernie and Biden on her way. And then suddenly, now a full seven minutes into the next day, that is today, yes, yes, your intrepid civic samurai remaining at his post, despite an acute need for another cold beverage, we learn, and I Twitter, tweet, huh? We have some pay dirt. News reporting further information on the NBC News, Wall Street Journal Democrat candidate poll, and it is this. It gives us the kind of data insiders most crave. Really, not the top line numbers, but what we call up in the show, <clears throat> pardon me, internals. And here's a tremendous example. When earlier in the evening we learned that Warren is surging on Biden, most of us are, I'm sure, regarding this as quite telling information. And it is. But when combined with the following information, it truly takes shape and the significance is crystal clear. And that is when, and here it is, Democrat voters in this poll are asked to combine their first and second votes. Yep, okay, who are you for first, and if not, who are you for second? Yes, this is a, a technique you and I discussed and yearned for weeks ago because of what it would tell us. Well, they did it in this poll. When the Democrats in this poll are asked to combine their first and second choices, here are the results. Warren, 45%. Biden, 41%. Sanders, 29 Again, Warren, 45 Biden 41, Sanders 29. The internal datum, this demonstrates to us, not merely, is that it not merely demonstrates to us, not merely that women 
I'm sorry. I'm, I can't read my own notes here. This internal datum demonstrates to us not merely that Warren surged, but also how and why she surged and at whose expense. This gives us a map. And on this final report, my final report of the Twitter night, or was it the first report of this morning, uh, had even more great stuff for us. On top of the first and second choice combination question, they also asked this, quote, do you prefer a candidate whose policies are smaller in scale, but easier to pass in Congress? Or a candidate who favors large-scale sweeping policies, harder to pass in Congress? It is clear each scenario is a kind of mini-profile of each candidate and their approach. Biden, the smaller, get-along, traditional policies, you know, of like him and Obama, standing fairly starkly against Warren's profile, new, large, bold policies that require major change and political struggle. And here is the envelope. Survey says voters prefer easier to pass smaller policies. The Biden agenda, 40%. The bolder sweeping contentious Elizabeth Warren agenda, 56%. 40% for Biden and what he says he wants to do as president, and 56 for Elizabeth Warren. This is a, a, a really, so far in this race, an astonishing datum. As a sidebar, very much related, this is why the first, uh, the, this is why the first serious thing any serious campaign or campaign consultant does uh, working is polling. When I tell this to a challenger, he or she invariably, someone who's never run for office before, when I tell this to a challenger, a prospective client, he or she invariably protests saying, that costs money, oh, I don't need a poll to tell me I'm behind because nobody knows me, I'm the challenger. I try to remind him there was a reason God made political consultants, and I'm about to illustrate one. I assure him that they are quite correct. They don't. Uh, he's quite correct about where he stands, and if he doesn't do good polling, it shall remain that way. We need, I say, to find out what it is people want before we know whether you can give it to them, and if so, how and better than the other fellow. Sound good? I patiently say to the still prospective client. By the way, the ones that understand and agree to polling become my clients, the ones who do not become former candidates. My point here being, can you see how very much more these internals tell us? You know, tell us your combination of first and second choice. That flips 16 points. And especially, here are two general outlooks. Two different sets of policies and expectations. Which kind do you want to see in your next uh, president? In this case, do you, in the Democrat nominee. You see how very much more that this tells us than any single raw number. Tell me the profile of what you want, and I can tell you who will win. End of sidebar. Thank you. Where were we? Oh, yes. Approaching an always logical end to our 
marvelous discussions, but first, I not soon thereafter retired from my station and joined the BBC, which I half listened to all night long, every night while I half sleep, and from which I actually learned a lot, uh, especially post 4 a.m. Eastern when things in London really start to rock, well, such as they may. At about midday, having reviewed all my usual sources in the latest news cycle, did a few really germane items of analysis occur to me. One is that Warren's surge forces Biden to confront two radical scenarios. The first is that he wake up, smell the coffee, and appreciate that he must now go to war on Warren. Full-scale, all-out, down-and-dirty war against an opponent you will either now injure, cripple, and kill off, or she will do the same to you. But is Biden up to this? Not just the furor of it all, but the particular strain of having to attack a woman every hour of every day. And will he even decide that he cannot win this way? That if in endeavoring to win over the crucial former Warren voters, he alienates and loses them, and maybe Sanders voters too, by attacking her? This is absolutely possible. Or let's say Joe considers the optional less bellicose route. He goes to Warren very soon, probably before the next debate, and says, Elizabeth, I'm offering you the vice president right here and now. Let's not go to war on each other and end up losing for ourselves and our party and our country this crucial, crucial election that we both know you and I together cannot lose. Let's join forces and we will beat Trump and... And, wait for it, I pledge to you I will serve only one term as president, leaving you to inherit the presidency, which, of course, you will deserve. I ask you just one thing. Trust me. Trust me that things far queerer than this happen every day in national politics, increasingly so as the stakes ratchet up and the clock winds down. Nothing we're discussing hasn't been done before probably several times. Even I have no way of knowing this scenario um, is going to occur. But believe me, it just might. It's, it just might work, and therefore he just might do it. But I promise you will see things that surprise you more than that in the course of this campaign. Thank you for your attentions here. Please join me and the kids, that would be you, on Twitter. And uh, we have a very, very full and equal partner in this broadcast. It is there where 12 hours a day I am lurking to keep your company, uh, offer new, uh, new and improved, uh, I hope, uh, predictions, analyses of breaking news, and evolutions on what quickly become older theories like this podcast, because that's how quickly things are moving. I will see you there now. Until then, I am Jay Severin, Excelsior.